The UK champion is back in action for the first time in months. We've got a women's title match tonight, and the NXT UK Heritage Cup is finally taking shape. So let's do it. Let's talk about NXT UK. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spassi, and it's the YWC Reality Check here with your NXT UK review for Thursday, September 24th, 2020. Yes! This came back last week, and it was good, so we're going to do it again. It's looking good. There's no audience. It's weird. It's fine. The BT Sport Arena over there in the UK looks great, and we're off and running. We had the the, uh, the cool startup show last week. We had a rerun of that to start this week's show. All the tag teams showing what they could do. Obviously, Ilya Dragunov uh, making himself look great against Noam Dar in, uh, in furtherance towards his match against Walter that's happening... I don't know when. Uh, apparently, in like a month from now, we're already getting a UK takeover. I've only heard that in rumors. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how true that actually is. But that's really, really short notice. Uh, so I hope that they're saving this Ilya Dragunov match for takeover. I mean, it's going to be takeover London, isn't it? Because they're doing everything in the in the BT Sport uh, place. But I mean, if you look back on the past couple of UK takeovers. Um, the last two pay-per-view matches Ilya Dragunov has had has been against Cesaro and against Finn Balor. So it's not exactly like he's fighting scrubs, is he? I mean, even on the comeback show last week, he was taking on Noam Dar, which is somebody who's a little bit more well-known to the general WWE audience. I mean, Noam Dar, I think I mentioned this last week, is one of the only people that has been on 205 Live, NXT, NXT UK, Raw, SmackDown, the Cruiserweight Classic, um... Noam Dar has literally been everywhere you want to be in WWE, and some places you probably don't, like 205 Live. So, uh, great introductory match, great match to show us what Ilya Dragunov can do, and yeah, that was that was a great way to kick off, you know, NXT UK being back. I keep referring to it as the welcome back show, but it was, because apparently the entire, the entire expanse of COVID, they've just been rerunning and replaying different matches, different uh, highlights of different people and interviews, and a whole lot of shit over Skype, which I didn't want to watch, so I didn't. Um, I mean, I, I won't make a lie of it. I wasn't watching NXT UK before COVID, because it had just fallen off my radar. You guys know I pretty much focus on NXT. Uh, a little bit of AEW with Guapo, uh, main roster stuff, more out of habit than anything else. But when I saw that they were just doing uh, highlight package shows, it it uh, fell into the same category as everything else that I was watching during COVID. And the clearest example I can think of with that is, uh, for those of you that watch The Walking Dead, you know they do the after show called Talking Dead. And the very first week of sort of lockdown, or well, where the lockdown was here in Canada anyways, um... We watched Walking Dead because obviously the show had already been and taped and produced and all that sort of thing. But the sh the the talk show after that was all done on Skype, and it's one of those you want to watch TV to escape from what's going on in the real world, not have the real world thrust right back in your face. And that's what that did. So I stopped watching it. I mean, granted, Walking Dead slowly stopped and ran out its season at that point, but it became my my primary example of. TV needs to take me away from this shit, not remind me of it, and if I had watched six months of NXT UK that was all replays and all Skype interviews and all, all this or all that, it would have done the exact same thing. So for all intents and purposes, we haven't had NXT UK for six months. The comeback show last week 
was great. We got a bunch of announcements. We we found out about tonight's main event, which is Piper Niven and Kaylee Ray, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. We found we were reminded that Ilya Dragunov was the number one contender. We got the announcement about the Heritage Cup, which we're going to talk about momentarily, and it set the stage. And it set the stage that NXT UK was where we're actually going to focus on tag team uh, tag team wrestling. Now I'm recording this Friday night. Um, right after SmackDown, and right after all the lead-up to Clash of Champions. You guys are seeing this on Monday. Clash of Champions has already happened. I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna put a wild guess out there, that nothing tag-team-wise blew us out of the water on Sunday. Did it? Did it? Am I right? Am I, tell me down in the box below that I'm right. But, they, um... They were talking a lot about the importance of tag team wrestling and the depth of tag team wrestling, and they were referring to the NXT UK tag team division as the best kept secret in WWE. And I don't want to say this, and I don't want to turn this into a diatribe on AEW again, but when your main competition's main claim to fame is tag team wrestling, you can't be putting statements out there unless you back it up. So my challenge to this brand at the moment is if you're going to put out a statement like that, you need to back it up. Um, I mean, WWE as a whole, NXT, Raw, SmackDown, etc., their claim to fame right now is the women's division. Across all four... I mean, there's no women on 205 Live, and nobody's watching 205 Live anyway. But um, across the four main shows, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and UK, the, the shining light on all of those shows, in various degrees, obviously is the women's division, and in some cases, women's tag team division. Uh, if you want to divert that and say that you're, you're, one of your shining stars is going to be your tag team division, you need to back that up. Um, as I've said a million times, and I'll say it a million times more, AEW sucks at women's wrestling, WWE is great at women's wrestling, WWE kind of dropped the ball with tag team wrestling, and that's... AEW's thing. So if we're gonna make, if you're gonna take that swing, at least in a, in a verbal capacity, you gotta back it up. Is all I'm gonna say. I'm not saying they can't do it. Obviously, they they uh, they put a focus on the tag teams last week, but they need to do that. If they're going to say that, they need to do it. Anyways, started off with the return of Walter and make all the jokes you want about him being Michael Hamlet from what culture? That's fine. Walter is a terrifying individual, and Saxon Huxley is somebody that I'm not very, very familiar with at all. A lot of Bruiser Brody references from Nigel McGuinness, because that's obviously who the guy looks like, and obviously who the guy's trying to encapsulate. Cool. I was never in that era. That was never my... That was never my point of, of reference. I don't have a lot or maybe any reference to Bruiser Brody, so I can't speak to that. I really can't. I won't come up here and pretend. I won't come up here and be like, oh yeah, that guy's just like Bruiser Brody, because I don't know the weight of a comment like that. So if, if, if I'm lacking in that department or if I'm not talking very much about that similarity, it's because I don't have the knowledge to to back it up. Anybody, you you guys know the drill. As always, if you want to tell me down in the box below uh, what I need to know about Bruiser Brody or where how those references stack up or put it in the chat over there as we're watching live, that's awesome. I'm not going to speak to it because I don't have anything to say. There's a sleeper right away by Walter and uppercuts and a hip toss, a clothesline outside of the ring by Walter and a forearm off the apron. Forearms by Huxley and a boot, uh, second boot and a front slam. Front slam by Walter by the Huxley guy is is impressive. It's, it's you know, the Hogan, it's the Hogan-Andre moment, and he did it just about that slowly, too. So, 
I guess it was trying to build drama and gravitas, but like I say, they're in stage one right now. They have no audience. There's no gravitas to be built. Um, they need to really decide whether they're piping crowd noise in or not, because they do it intermittently, and it's more distracting than it not being there at all. I don't know what the solution is to that, but what they're doing right now ain't quite working. Sleeper by Walter. Again, Walter eats the steps on the outside. There's a front slam by Walter and a punt to the back, and I just... Imagine somebody the size of Walter running up and kicking you in your spine. No thank you. Not a good way to spend your Thursday night, or Thursday afternoon as it is here. Um, one of the reasons I'm probably not going to get to reviewing this on the night is because it comes on at 3 in the afternoon here, and I'm still at work. I get off work at 3.30 at the earliest, and the amount of times recently that I'm not working overtime is very, very slim, which is why you're either going to get these on the Friday or on the following Monday, as we discussed last week. We don't need to discuss it again. Um, but yeah, not, not, a, not a good way to spend your Thursday getting kicked in the spine by Walter. Uh, backdrop on the rail by Walter, followed by an apron powerbomb. Apron powerbomb was one of those things that, you know, Kevin Owens became really well known for, but again, it's it's being done by Walter, and and this Huxley guy isn't a small guy either, so it's it's Kevin Owens attacking Sami Zayn at TakeOver times 100. It's really dirty looking, and I really thought, because they really played it up, I really thought that this was going to be a power move by Walter where he was literally going to win by countout because he's just jammed this guy's spine into his foot, first of all, into the guardrail, second of all, and into the apron, which, as we all know, is the hardest part of the ring. But that didn't happen, fair enough. More chops by Walter and a sleep sleeper and a German suplex. More chops. A butterfly suplex from the second rope by Walter is fucking ridiculous. Chops to the back and a jackknife powerbomb get the obvious win for Walter. Looking forward to his match against Ilya Dragunov. I do not in the slightest envy Ilya Dragunov in that match. I don't think he's going to win, obviously, because it's going to be the pay-per-view comeback of the NXT UK uh, champion. But then again, I went into this week's episode of NXT thinking that Jake Atlas was going to be a lamb led to slaughter, and he had a really good match with Tommaso Ciampa, so what do I know? Let's bring into focus the, uh, the NXT UK Heritage Cup tournament, and they ran down all the rules. The rules are weird. Uh, I didn't write them all down. I'm going to try and remember a couple of them. It's three, or sorry, it's six three-minute rounds. The rounds can only be won by um, pin, submission, or surrender. As soon as one person has two victories in a row, the thing is over. If you get to the end, and there's only been one pin, that one person will get the win. They didn't really address how if they go through all six rounds and it's tied, it's going to be addressed, but I don't think that's going to happen. Obviously, um, in any given round, if there's a knockout or a DQ, the match ends. That's it. So they put all the names in a hat. Sid Scala's down there with seven of the, of the eight guys. Oh, I should have mentioned, the show opened up with Sid Scala and seven of the eight Heritage Cup folks in the back saying, hey, this is really important to this brand, this is really important to BT Sport, we're here in the BT Sports, they're really paying a lot of respect to BT Sport and the BT Sport studio, which is, which is cool, they've given them, they've given them a place to perform, so that's, that's a nice, neat little touch, um, but Sid is out there with seven of the eight guys, because one guy's a wild card, and we'll get there, um, brings out Pete Dunne to sort of co-host this, this drawing ceremony, and as I said last week, and as we're going to talk about later on as well, they're putting Pete Dunne in all these non-combative 
roles. They have him hosting this tonight. He's got another role next week that we're going to talk about. Apparently he's got a producer role backstage now. I'm getting more and more curious slash concerned every week. Is there something that Pete Dunne has just had to quietly retire from in-ring from in-ring uh, action? I don't know. I haven't heard anything. Uh, I hope it's not true, obviously. But um, they're putting him in a lot of other places. You know, it's like The Miz ho being the host of SmackDown and uh, Alexa Bliss or The New Day being the hosts of of WrestleMania or somebody moving to a commentary position like Samoa Joe is recently and he's been in question a lot. Um, I really hope that they're not quietly just transitioning transitioning him into a completely non-combative role. Now, if he's sustained some kind of major injury that we don't know about, then it's cool that they're keeping him in the company. They want him to be part of the brand. He's important to them and whatever. If he's made some sort of personal life decision where he's not going to be an in-ring competitor anymore, obviously, obviously we have to respect that, and, and that's ultimately his call at the end of the day. But selfishly, and I'm going to pull out this Paz Phoenix bingo card here, as somebody that saw the tail end of his Destiny World title run here in Destiny in Mississauga, and somebody who watched the beginning of the UK from the first UK tournament to the UK championship to him defending that UK championship on NXT to him being the flag bearer for this brand when it started if his in-ring career for some reason is over I'm gonna be really bummed I'm not gonna lie because I'm not a, I don't live over in the UK I didn't see him in the indie in the indie scene so what I've seen on my TV slash what I've seen at the Destiny shows here in Mississauga are all I've seen of him and that's for a guy as talented as Pete Dunne, that's not nearly enough. Anyways, all that aside, I really hope none of what I just said is true. Let me just put that out there right now. Um, but Sid Scala sort of gives Pete Dunne the ring and allows him to speak to the history of, of stuff. Uh, people like William Regal, people like Johnny Saint, people like... Uh, he named off somebody named Rollerball something, who I'm not familiar with, who's obviously a big name over there. I uh, talked about the history of British Rounds wrestling, which this is uh, apparently based on, and, um, you know, they they made history, I made history when we started this brand, uh, it's now your guys' turn to make history, you know, take, it's basically a good version of the Vince McMahon take your brass ring speech, but then they start drawing the, uh, the, the matches for the first round, uh, we're gonna get Joseph Connors versus Dave Mastiff, I'm, uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of pulling... There's other people that I like in this tournament. Um, I like Trent Seven. I like Flash Morgan Webster. I like Noam Dar. Uh, I don't know anything about A-Kid. I really want Dave Mastiff to just fucking steamroll through everybody. Um, mostly because at the next Worlds Collide tournament, I'd really love to see a battle of the monsters between Dave Mastiff and Killian Dane. But again, that's a little bit of fantasy booking on my part. Or... Or, when the airways open up again, bring Killian Dane over for a stint in NXT UK. That would be good. Killian Dane versus Walter. How fucking good would that be? But it's going to be Connors versus Dave Mastiff. It's going to be whoever the wild card is versus Trent Seven. I really like Trent Seven. He's sort of got like that, um, that legends quote unquote status within this brand, and it's even the, the people that like him, the people that don't like him, the baby faces and the heels, they all show him. A, a weird level of respect. And like I say, I, I'm lucky enough. I've met the guy. The guy's like the nicest dude. So 
good for him. Flash Morgan Webster's taking on A-Kid, so we're going to see what A-Kid can do. I'm not familiar. That's going to be fun for me. And Alexander Wolf versus Noam Dar is the last one. It's funny because uh, once they pull out the first three matches, there's only two names left. And Noam Dar just grabs the bag from him and sends Sid Scala on his way. Says, you're no longer needed. There's only two names left. And then he tries to twat Alexander Wolf with the bag that they were drawing the balls out of. And Pete Dunn stops him. He's there to maintain order, I guess. He's the enforcer. He's the Mike Tyson in this scenario. He does the... Do he does the um, the, the finger snap thing that we all know and love from Pete Dunne made me think of the early days of this brand when we saw the UK championship match between Pete Dunne and Noam Dar. If you haven't seen that match, go back and check out that match. Super underrated, and I think it went right under the radar. But um, he does the, the finger snap. Trent Seven pulls the ropes down, tosses him out. And that's the end. We've got all of our matches. Connors versus Mastiff, uh, the wild card versus Trent Seven, Flash Morgan Webster versus A Kid, Alexander Wolf versus Noam Dar, and uh, yeah, some other news we're going to talk about in a minute. In a minute, sorry, I can speak. I swear. In the back, we see Zaya Brookside and somebody named some other girl named Danny Luna. Again, not familiar, but they're in the back. Uh, they're helping Piper Niven get piped, uh, get piped up, get hyped up for her women's championship match with Kaylee Ray in the main event. Speaking of the tag team scenario, we got The Hunt versus Pretty Deadly. Pretty Deadly, I have no clue. Uh, they seem to be NXT UK's version of Breezango, like the, the pretty boys coming out with the puffy shirts and they're really worried about what their faces look like and all this sort of thing. The Hunt are just fun. They're just... They're, they're what the Viking Raiders could be. They're what the Ascension could have been. They're, you know, with the passing away of uh, Road Warrior Animal, they are what uh, the LOD were. Or they are, they could be what the LOD were, is what I meant to say. Uh, Primate and Wild Boar, uh, collectively known as the Hunt, are, are a really fun sort of berserker tag team. And they couldn't be more... They couldn't be more counter-opposed to a team like Pretty Deadly. They come out, and like I say, very Breezango, uh, Pretty Boy-esque. Uh, Wild Boar and, okay, so the two names of the two guys in Pretty Deadly are Lewis Howley and Sam Stoker. I'm going to mess up those names because I don't know who they are. Um, Wild Boar and Stoker start the match as a headlock by Wild Boar. Boar takes down, works on the arm, single, <laughs> single arm toss across the ring, and an axe handle by Primate. A trip and some mounted punches by Primate, an Irish whip and a hip toss. Back elbow by Primate into a slam, a senton by Wild Boar. A log roll trip by Boar. The log roll trip is just another fun move, isn't it? Um... Double team by Pretty Deadly in the corner. There's a slam by Stoker, a head and arm lock, and a mud hole stomp, a sit-out bomb by Wild Boar. Knee drops by Howley, an outside chin lock by Howley, and uppercuts by Stoker. Mule kick by Wild Boar. Some back elbows and some chops by, by Primate. Uh, Primate's got the beard. Looks like he could be from the Wyatt family. It's fine. Uh, second rope Thez press by Primate and a Benoit headbutt by Wild Boar. Uh, there's a, some fuckery on the apron that I didn't quite catch if I'm not lying, but there is some sort of, of distraction on the outside, whether it's just somebody grabbing the referee or whatever. And one of the pretty deadly get a you know handful of tights roll up win for that. Uh, more importantly though, pretty deadly are going up the rampway and it's kind of weird because normally we would say, oh, look who's who's standing there in the crowd and it'll be X wrestler or whatever. When it's a completely empty space and whoever's in the crowd like just randomly and obviously walks out, it's it doesn't quite play the same. 
I mean, I'm sure in the in the Thunderdome you could have somebody walk out from between the screens or something like that, but it doesn't play the same way here. Anyways, Eddie Dennis, who's a really, really smart character, but also really devious, sort of calls them to the one side as they're going to the back. And it is one of those contrived wrestling things where he's calling them to the side as they're walking up the ramp, where in real society he would have just gone to their locker room and said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? So if he's going to be some kind of mentor, some kind of manager, mouthpiece for these guys, I wouldn't exactly mind that. Eddie Dennis isn't, or going back to when I used to watch this brand, was never really my favorite person in the ring, but always one of those people that's like, oh, it's an Eddie, Eddie Dennis match, and then you watch it and you're like, wow, okay, cool. Um, so we'll, it, it's interesting to see what they're going to do with that. We get two more announcements concerning the Heritage Cup from Sid Scala. First of all, we're going to get a triple threat match next week to see who's getting that wild card spot. But all three entrants in that triple threat match are also wild cards. So three people we don't know are going to fight for the chance to be in that match against uh, Trent Seven. The other funny thing as well is uh, I should have mentioned this earlier when they were when they were making the matches they would bring the two people that were called up and there would either be a handshake or there wouldn't or whatever. Trent Seven, when he found out he was facing the wild card, like, shook hands with nobody because he's just got a bit of banter and it's good. The other thing that's happening next week is the opening round, the opening match of the first round of the tournament, which is going to be, obviously, Alexander Wolf versus Noam Dar and your special guest referee, not a competitor, but your special guest referee is going to be Pete Dunne. Now, again, that contributes to everything that I was saying earlier about I really hope there's not a bad reason that he's not wrestling anymore. Now, that being said, I would love it if we tune in next week if if two guys, any any random two guys bring out like Tyler Bate and somebody else and your third competitor in that triple threat match is Pete Dunne, that would be fucking brilliant. The finals of this tournament being either Pete Dunne versus Trent Seven, because they know each other so well, or Pete Dunne versus Dave Mastiff, which I just think would be a really good match, would be fantastic. But I don't think I don't think that's happening. A, because they're they they're keeping him so much from an active role, it seems. And B, I don't think you need to give it to somebody who they're already touting as the longest reigning and greatest UK champion. I think you want to pass that. As he said in his, his speech, you want to be passing that down the pike. Doesn't mean I don't want to see the matches that would have come out of that, though. Main event. Because it's a one-hour show and we get there relatively quickly and there's no commercial breaks and it's fine, Kaylee Ray versus Piper Niven sneaks up on us before you know it. And it is Kaylee Ray the champion, defending against Piper Niven in a match for the NXT UK Women's title match. The first uh, title match held on NXT UK in six months, as they keep hammering over the head. Uh, in case you didn't know that they'd been gone for a while and they're back now, which you would know from watching it before and watching it now, but it's fine. Um, these two just work really well together, and they, they have such different ways of selling and such unique ways of selling and such a you can tell that they've worked together for a while, and you tell, because there's such an inbuilt sarcasm between the two of them, and it's not strictly what they say to each other, because they do talk to each other a lot in this match, um, but also just, like, one person's body language re uh, reacting to another person's body language, one person's actions reacting to another person's actions. Um, I don't want to be cliche, but it's one of those things that you can't fake, and these two just work really well together, and... 
let's not let's not forget that these two are are currently the title pitcher and they got handed the title pitcher from Rhea Ripley versus Tony Storm which was the superstar uh women's title feud at the went in the beginning days of this brand Rhea Ripley they obviously obviously saw the star in right away cuz they snatched her up and put her on proper NXT and look what we have now Tony Storm I don't know where Tony Storm is. I don't know where she fell off in the booking before COVID hit, but they're missing a switch there. The only way I will I will uh, I will understand them not having her here is that they're waiting until the airways open up again so that they can put her on NXT proper. Um, not gonna lie, I'd love to see Tony Storm versus Io Shirai again. Uh, in a week and a bit, we have NXT TakeOver. If she randomly showed up at NXT TakeOver to bitch slap the winner of Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae, I wouldn't mind that in the slightest. Um, but yeah, picking up, because that feud was so great, and this is the next feud, this is the next major title feud uh, following on from that, they, they do have shoes to fill, in a sense. Now, this isn't a pay-per-view. This is just, hey, we're here, we have a title, we have a division, let's, let's show it off. Um, but this, I wouldn't have a problem with this match that we got tonight being put on a takeover. Maybe a bit longer, but that's about it. Uh, Collar and tie-up and, pa and uh, power slam in the corner by Niven. Boot by K. Uh, standing armbar turns into a hammerlock and hammerlocks Niven's shoulder into the turnbuckle. K beats on the elbow. She hyperextends the elbow where they stand and just beats down on the elbow joint. Typically when I when I throw it in my notes, oh, they work over the arm. It's just because they've twisted it a couple different ways. No, she she fully extended her arm and beat down on the joint of the elbow the wrong way and it just it just looked like it wrecked. I'm not going to lie. Snake eyes by Niven and a shoulder tackle and a snapmare a headbutt by Niven and a seated cobra clutch seated cobra clutch with a body scissor with uh with somebody with the um the size and strength advantage of Piper Niven. Is, is that could be a match ender right there that the combination of the clutch and the and the body scissor it could be her equivalent of the Oscar lock if they played it up that way they didn't quite play it up that way especially on commentary I'm not gonna lie uh, K starts working over the knee Niven tosses Ray out of the ring there's a super kick by K and her tornado DDT but here is the turning point of the match and here is where it went from being a cool match to an awesome storytelling uh, layout is uh, Kaylee Ray went to do a running knee on Piper Niven on the outside. She misses. She cracks her kneecap on the on the edge of the ring steps, and and it just and I'm and I do that thing that all wrestling fans do now. It's like, okay, are they? Is she faking it? Is she playing possum? Are they duping us? Or is she doing a heel thing where she's faking an injury to get out of the match because she thinks she's going to lose? It doesn't seem to be either, like, because they bring out a couple of refs, they bring out a couple of uh, medical people, and um, they're walking her up the rampway, and Piper Niven is selling it on the apron as well, not, not angry, just upset, because if her opponent can't continue, the match is going to get waved off, therefore her title match, her title opportunity goes down the drain, so she's being sort of consoled in a way by the referee, so she's all whatever, but then because she is the good person, she follows she follows the referees and the medical staff up the, I should say up the ramp, it's a very, very short rampway, because it's in a studio, but she follows her up the rampway, and you can hear her audibly saying like, look, it's okay, we'll have this match another time, I don't want to take your title this way, and Kaylee Ray just sort of looks at her and almost snarls, like, take my title, and she just 
bitch slaps her right across, and then it's like, okay, cool, I don't care if you're injured or not, Niven tosses her back in the ring, beats her down in the ring, kind of viciously, uh, locks her in a single leg crab, but it's not a standard single leg crab, she's sort of got her up and like hanging by one leg, um, if you can imagine the way that Rhea Ripley does her standing version of the figure four, um, and how she sort of they ho holds it up, and there's like a dangling effect which adds to which adds to the stress on the leg. She basically does the same thing with a single leg crab, and it's and you get that you get the previous injury on the knee plus the size disparity and the strength disparity, and it looked really good. And again, one they created another moment in the match that could have been the end of the match. K psychs herself up, gets an adrenaline rush, and manages to hit a super kick with the injured leg, and uh, follow it up with a senton bomb. There's a trip by Nevin and a senton. I think at that precise moment, you could have told a really cool story, as I say, because she's a lot bigger and a lot stronger. If she had landed the senton on the knee, that could have been great storytelling, but it's just a little bit off. Um... Chops by K and a super kick to Niven's knee. You know, sort of, I can injure my own knee, but I can injure yours as well. Niven mud hole stomps the kneecap, as if literally listening to what I just said a second ago. Puts her in that single leg crab again, holding her up even higher. Uh, hits the Piper driver, which is, I guess, what they're calling her version of the Michinoku driver. Goes for the Vader bomb, and it's blocked. Now, here's the one thing I will say. That, di that didn't make any sense. And this is me making the most ridiculous nitpick possible. Whenever anybody's doing anything from the top rope and you want to block it, you bring your knees up and in to, to cover up the rest of your body. Obviously, your knees are expendable, your face isn't type of idea. And, and usually that mentality works. But the thing is, she's supposedly just shattered her kneecap on the, uh, on the steps on the outside. You should not then have somebody legitimately possibly twice your size land on your knees and be able to do anything but they sold it like a normal block Piper Niven sold it as if she got the wind knocked out of her which is fine she goes for a cannonball that misses like the rolling cannonball like Kevin Owens style into the corner and it misses and here's where I fail as a viewer because when she misses the cannonball because Kaylee Ray rolls out of the way she manages to hit her lower back because you know how a cannonball lands in, in the corner on an exposed turnbuckle uh, bolt because the pad's been taken off. Now, I fail because I don't know where in the match that pad came off. I don't. So I missed a piece of the story there. I felt like an idiot. I feel like an idiot telling you guys this now. But um, she basically throws all of her body weight into that metal bolt spine first and um, with another little bit of an adrenaline rush. She really does sell as an adrenaline rush. Kaylee Ray uh, manages to roll her up, take advantage of the injury. They both injured themselves in the match, which is a really cool dichotomy too, because she threw herself into that turnbuckle bolt the same way Kaylee Ray threw her own knee into the, into the steps. So there is a cool equal story thing happening there, but ultimately Kaylee Ray does retain. She is still your uh, NXT UK Women's Champion. And once again, like we said about Eddie Dennis earlier, Ginny is in the crowd. In other words, walked out from backstage and just sort of stood by the rampway there and she's staring her down. So obviously the virtuosa, not the virtuosa, the fashionista, virtuosa is uh, Deanna Perrazzo, isn't it? Um, the fashionista Ginny uh, is probably going to be the next person coming after her. They're, they should probably play up the story of, hey, I just saw you shatter your fucking knee in that match with Piper. I'm going to go after your knee because that's the story you would tell. Um, 
I'm going to flash back to like eight, nine months ago where I, where I tell you that I know Ginny's great in the ring. I still don't really give a shit about her as a character, so they'll have to work on that. But I like Taylor Ray. I like Piper Niven. Both of them look like bosses in this match. The fake-out ending uh, was a fake-out ending, but it, they, they put the story together in such a way that Niven was way too nice for her own good, and Kaylee Ray, even though she's a heel, didn't want to win by being the cowardly heel, so everybody came out of that that little break in the match looking a little bit better, and I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what Piper Niven does after this. I have said, and I'll and I'll go off on a tangent for a second here. Um, I've said this on multiple podcasts. I've said it a lot in podcasts with Jake when we talk about the proper. NXT women's division and uh, more so the main main roster main event scene. Uh, I'm not very nice to people like Nia Jax. Uh, I think Nia Jax, her position in the company should maybe not be taken away, but definitely be evaluated when you look at how many people she's injured and how reckless she's been in various scenarios, etc. The main argument that I hear from most people is. Uh, that you have to have somebody like Nia Jax in the company, you have to have somebody like Nia Jax in the spotlight, because uh, without her, people of people of different, uh, you know, body types, people of different images, people of different lifestyles and all that sort of thing, because she, she's a bigger person. They're, I, they're, I struggle to find a nice way to say it, but, you know, we're not all, you know, it, there's not very many in, in the company right now anyway, but we're not all Barbie dolls, right? Um, you know, there's there's smaller people, there's bigger people, and all that sort of thing, and you need to represent that diversity, and that's why we need to keep Nia Jax. Now, I think that's a dangerous precedent to set, because now you're rewarding somebody for the category that they fall into, rather than their, their justification to actually be there, and that's where you get, like, situations like the Kofi Kingston situation that we don't need to talk about right now. But if you need to fill that role, if you need to, um, and I don't, and I don't think it's without merit, either. If you want to fill the role of like, hey, let's show that people of all size, all shapes, all sizes, all types, um, all images can can achieve in in an environment like this. You don't put somebody in there that's like, okay, well, we're trying to fill a spot. So here's Naya, and she's a big person, but because she's a big person, we're also going to overlook the fact that she's injured like 12 people. Why do you not take an amazing talent like Piper Niven, who I don't think has hurt nearly as many people and is really entertaining in the ring and does really genuinely have a way, uh, a way about her that gets the fans behind her and put her, let her fill both of those roles. Whereas I don't think Nia Jax fills either of them very well. Basically, long story short, uh, Nia Jax should not be in the company because she's going to hurt some more people. I mean, Sasha Banks should also not be in the company because she's going to hurt a lot more people. Um, but you could have somebody filling the same positivity that Nia Jax supposedly fills with an amazing talent like Piper Niven. And if you don't believe me, um, if you don't believe me, obviously go back to this match that happened tonight but go back to last year, not the Worlds Collide pay-per-view, but the wor the Worlds Collide sort of mini-events that they did around WrestleMania, I think a year and a half ago. Uh, there's a match with Piper Niven, and I think it's a triple threat. Uh, don't quote me on this. Uh, there's a match that is Piper Niven, uh, Zelina Vega, and Bianca Belair. 
First of all, it'll show you how awesome Piper Niven is. Second of all, it'll explain to you how why I think it's so awesome that Zelina Vega on Raw is finally getting to wrestle. And third of all, uh, Bianca Belair is there too. It's fine. Um, I don't know. I want the world for somebody like Piper Niven because she's great. Kaylee Ray is a great champion. She's playing up the heels. She's playing up the bitchy, you know, trying to get up under everybody's skin. But also, did they made, went out of their way to show in tonight's match that she wasn't going to take the the short way out, the easy way out. Ah, I banged my knee. Maybe we'll maybe we'll fight another time. Uh, so she's a heel. Ch she's a impressive heel champion that showed some credibility credibility and some legitimate toughness and some legitimacy to her title reign. I think this one on literally every level that it could possibly win on is what I'm trying to get around to. Now, next week, we start off the NXT UK Heritage Cup tournament with Alexander Wolfe taking on Noam Dar in the first round with Pete Dunne as the special guest referee, and we find out who's taking that wild card spot in the awesome triple threat match that we're going to get between vacant, vacant, and vacant. So, uh... Yeah, come along, join me. Next week we're going to talk about this. We're going to see how it goes. As I've said, I'm going to slowly gauge uh, how much you guys are interested in the NXT UK stuff. And if this keeps going and if people are interested, then I'll keep doing it. If not, what I might do is do a shorter blurb of what's going on in NXT UK when I do my NXT proper review. So realistically, this mini-series that I'm doing right now on NXT UK depends entirely on you guys. So... It's up to you. I think it's going really well. For a show that's got no crowd, I think it's it's a little bit more adaptive than the other shows were, but they have the benefit of learning from the other show's mistakes. So it, it is what it is. COVID still sucks. I hope you guys are all doing great, but that's it. That's been your NXT UK review for the 24th of September 2020. Good God. Let's just get through 2020 and get the world back on track. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, I'm tagging out. Bye, guys. Sunshine,